Welcome, everybody. We are back with the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. And we're doing this a little bit differently than you saw us do it last season. Last year, we were coming to you with the recorded episodes. But now we're doing it live, more functional. We, we will be live with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. talking about everything going on in the association. And we're going to have great guests, as always. We're going to have guests coming through to talk to us about things going around the world of the NBA. We will keep our NBA with nuance on Wednesdays, which means my man Gerard Hector will be joining us. No hot takes. We'll have that coming up on Wednesday. But we have a lot to get into. We wanted to start last week, but life got busy. We're one week into the 2021-2022 NBA season. And we got a lot of early reactions and things to talk about. Coming up later on the show, my man Josue Pavon, Celtics beat writer, he will be joining us on the show. So that will be really fun to talk about the Celtics who got their first win last night. But before we get into teams that got their first win, before we talk about teams that might be struggling, before we talk about people who might be ready to jump off the cliff, the ledge, whatever, because their team is 3-0 or their team might be 0-3 or 1-2, somewhere in the middle. I don't know how you might feel. Early season thoughts with the NBA. What are my thoughts on how things have gone within the first week? Here's what I got to say, guys. It's the first week. We can't get too high or too low about anybody or anything. Now, are there some things that have stood out? Have we seen some fantastic performances? Have we seen some teams had some great wins? I've been really impressed with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, when Gerard comes on here, we know he's going to have a lot to say about the Memphis Grizzlies and his boy, Triple J. No, that's going to happen for sure. But look, the Grizzlies have played tough basketball. Right now, they almost had a L.A. sweep. Last night, they played the Lakers. We'll get to that a little bit later. But they beat the Clippers on Saturday night. They look strong. John Morant looks fantastic. Our producer Greg this morning was trying to get him for me in a fantasy trade. And I was like, no, that's not happening. We're not doing that at all whatsoever. But the Grizzlies have looked good. They've looked really impressive. Other teams that have come out sort of strong. There's going to be a lot of talk about the Chicago Bulls. Bulls are 3-0 and in Eastern Conference. Now, look, admittedly, I am not high on the Bulls as some other people were. I have a lot of concerns about their defense, a lot of concerns about their defense. And here's my thing with the Bulls right now. Three wins, as I said, 3-0, and off to a great start. They have played the Pistons, they have played the Pelicans, and they played the Pistons again. Basically, they've played nobody. I'm not really that impressed. They have the Raptors tonight. That should be an interesting test for them. The Raptors are scrappy. They play hard. Very well-coached team by Nick Nurse. I expect that to be a good contest. I'm not disparaging what the Bulls have done completely, right? You can only beat who's been in front of you. You have to play the teams in front of you, and they've handled business, albeit their first game of the season against the Pistons was kind of close. 94-88 to 88 was that final. But... They are a team that we expect to score a lot of points. I know my producer, Greg, is extremely high on Zach Levine. He thinks he's going to do a lot of good things this season. I'm just concerned about when they actually see teams that can play defense or teams that have a really good offense. Are they actually going to be able to get stops? That is going to be interesting to see how Patrick Williams develops. They've got a lot of good play off the bench already from Alex Caruso. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Bulls actually are. Now, those are some positives, right? But then on the other end, there's been some teams that people have thought maybe have struggled, right? Lakers and Celtics. And we're going to get to both of them a little bit later. And we'll talk about more of this with Jose Pavon. 
Lakers and Celtics both started 0-2, but they got their first wins yesterday. So, you know, these are two of the most storied franchises in the NBA, and a lot of people were looking at the Lakers, especially with their age. Could there be injury and health concerns? There was going to be a lot of talk about that with the Lakers. And look, the Lakers, they came close to being 0-3. I mean, like, they were this close, guys, to being 0-3. And a lot of the talk has been about how Westbrook fits. That's something to watch early on in this season. I think the Lakers will be fine. They will figure things out. I think one of the things we have to realize when we're looking at the Lakers is they have so many new players. It's not really just the age. If 13 new players on the roster, this is going to take some time for these guys to figure it out. But they still have LeBron James, who still looks like he's playing at a very high level. Anthony Davis, who actually so far has come out pretty strong in this season. But, you know, with me, always got pumped the brakes with Anthony Davis because you don't know when he's going to get hurt. I think he's the key. Westbrook, I think he's going to take him some time. He's a guy who likes to dominate the ball, handles the ball very well, and looks to be that point of attack. Now he's playing with another guy in LeBron who handles the ball extremely well, and you have to wonder how all that exactly is going to work out. But I think that stuff will figure itself out, and we will see how that goes with the Lakers. On the Celtics side of things, we'll get to them. They've had a little bit of up and down. Jalen Brown now injured and out with a foot injury that we'll talk to Josue about and see exactly how that will affect and obviously impact the team going forward. But those are some teams that you know we can look at. Now, grew up a New York Knicks fan. Producer Greg, he's a Knicks fan as well, too. Knicks got off to a 2-0 start, but they lost last night, 110-104, to the Orlando Magic after they gave the Magic the smackdown on Saturday night. I think for a lot of people, they'll say, oh, bad Nick loss. And, you know, I was watching this game, and I was like, man, this looks like a perfect trap game for the Knicks. This looks like one where they can let the fans down. And they did. And I think it was Orlando came out with more energy after getting their ass kicked the night before they came out with a completely different energy. Cole Anthony played out of his mind. The Knicks just didn't seem to have that same energy in the second half. And they had a lot of open shots that they just, quite frankly, missed. So disappointing loss because they have Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, we'll get into that in a second, coming up on Tuesday. So that'll be interesting to see how the Knicks bounce back. Also, another test against Chicago Bulls. We talked about them. We'll see if they can improve to 4-0 uh, after tonight's game against the Raptors. So the Knicks are a team after a thrilling opening night win against Boston, double overtime. That was crazy. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But when we're talking about this early NBA season, guys, a lot of the headlines have been dominated by two guys who do not currently play for the teams that they are signed to play for. That would be one, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, and two, Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I don't know if anybody saw this, but yesterday before the Nets' home opener, which they lost to the Charlotte Hornets without Kyrie, who has decided to stay away from the team and not participate because he does not have a COVID-19 vaccine and says he is being a voice for the voiceless. If you want to know how I feel about that, you can check out one of our recent episodes of the A Hard Stuff podcast because I don't think Kyrie's really being a voice at all. However, outside the Barclays Center yesterday, there were people protesting. Protesting for the fact that Kyrie Irving cannot play right now. Fans outside chanting, let him play. Whew. I don't even know where to begin on this. First of all, Kyrie 
could play and be part of a team and do the right thing and protect himself and his teammates and his family and all this stuff. But he's choosing not to do that. And we don't even have to get into why he's choosing not to do that. Because quite frankly, we still kind of don't know why he is doing this. But there are people out there outside the Barclays Center yesterday and actually tried to storm inside the Barclays Center and put a lot of those security folks, that good security folks that work at the Barclays Center at risk. And in a position most of them didn't even imagine they would be in when they got up and went to the Barclays Center to work yesterday afternoon. They didn't think they were going to deal with this. And I asked the people who were outside there at the Barclays Center, what are you protesting for? The chance of let Kyrie play? Kyrie's not thinking about you. Kyrie's not out here doing this for you. And see, here's what's interesting. The voice of the voiceless, and many, this is the statement by Kyrie said on his IG Live. Many people have interpreted the voiceless as being those who are anti-vax. And I have said that the folks who are anti-vax have had a pretty loud voice in this, right? They're a minority of the people, a loud minority of the people, but they've had a pretty loud voice in this. Don't think they're voiceless at all. But these are folks outside the Barclays Center yesterday who are protesting for a multi-million dollar athlete who refuses to currently be a part of his team. Like I said, he doesn't care about you. You're out here protesting for him. He doesn't even know who you are. And you're out here protesting for him, for this, to let Kyrie play? Kyrie could play. It's really simple. All he's got to do is take the vaccine and do the right thing. But Kyrie's refusal to play, along with his Instagram Live about a week ago, which made no sense. Now, as people out here empowered and emboldened to go outside the Barclays Center, where they have to put up barricades because they're chanting in his name to let him play because they want vaccine mandates in New York to end. Yeah, this, this, this is where they are. Now, of course, how that affects the team on the basketball court, the Nets, they are one and two. They had a fantastic comeback wing against the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday night. This was following their opening night loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. And then they come home and they lose to the Charlotte Hornets. Do the Nets miss Kyrie? Yeah, I think so. They definitely do miss Kyrie. Do I still think they're talented enough and can figure things out and get things right and still win the NBA championship? Of course. But they miss Kyrie. Let's make no joke about this. They are going to miss Kyrie and the impact of Kyrie for sure. How that shakes out. When we will see Kyrie, who knows? If you watched our opening night special where myself, Brian Fonseca, Jamal Murphy, and Gerard Hector, we all talked about this. Are the Nets going to have to set a deadline? When is that deadline? When is it appropriate for Kyrie to come back? And the teammates feel like he's still a part of his team because he's going to have some explaining to do when he comes back. It's not like Kyrie can just come back and be like, okay, guys, now I'm back. And when is it at the point where it's not cool anymore? The longer this goes on, As Murph said on that show, the less likely I think his teammates are going to be willing to have him back with open arms on this team, particularly Kevin Durant and James Harden. I don't think they're really going to be here for the BS much longer. Either you're in or you're out. And speaking of out, Ben Simmons, still out for the 76ers, still not playing. We saw all that drama unfold last week. Ben Simmons refusing to enter a team drill that Doc Rivers asked him to get into, showed up to practice with sweats, apparently had a cell phone in his pocket. Then Darren Morey gets on the radio down in Philly and talks about how this is going to be a long process. Like that word, right, Sixers fans, process. This is what we're going to do. It might take four years. 
to which I had to laugh. Like, come on, this, this, we know this ain't taking four years. Like, this is not happening. We're not doing this for four years. But this situation's gotten ugly. Let's just call it for what it is. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play for the team. Sixers fans don't want to see him. I know this. I've spoken to some Sixers fans, some couple friends who are Sixers fans. They don't want to see this guy anywhere near the team. They want him gone like yesterday. But Dow Morey is trying to get the best deal that he can get. Now, where I think Dow Morey potentially could be going wrong with this, I understand he doesn't want to get fleeced in the trade. Nobody likes getting fleeced in the trade. Got that. But where Dow Morey, I think, always has issues with this, and our man Gerard Hector says this, and we'll probably talk about this with him a little bit more on NBA with Nuance on Wednesday, is that Dow Morey gets the people stuff wrong. He doesn't realize that there are people affected with it. He doesn't have to answer and talk to the media every day, but Doc Rivers does. Joel Embiid does. Tobias Harris does. Tyrese Maxey does. All these guys have to answer questions about Ben Simmons. No matter if they win or lose, how do you feel that Ben isn't here? What's wrong that Ben is not here? Do you think he's coming back? Do you still support him? When is he going to practice? Now, Ben Simmons did meet with the team on Friday, and he reportedly told officials that he is not mentally ready to play right now. And, you know, it's very interesting. He knows the vitriol that's coming for him if he did step on the court in Philadelphia in front of those fans. Oh, they're going to boo him. This is the town that boos Santa Claus. They are going to boo him for sure. He says he's not mentally ready. I just wonder with Simmons if what we've been seeing from him, the lack of willingness to improve, work on his game, it's just that he's been coddled all this time. And now some of these moves that he's been making to try to still get a check which he would have lost if he had been sitting at home and showing up to camp but not actually being part of the team. He's just hoping that things could work out with his agent, Rich Paul, and they can get him traded. But it hasn't worked out the way that he thought it was going to work out. So this is a mess. The thing to watch is, is Maury really about that life? Is he really in this for the long haul? It's not going to be four years. He's not going to do this for four years. We know it can't last that long. But I think when Maury talks about it lasting longer, He's talking about December 15th, folks. We have to watch that December 15th target for the Sixers and why that's important because that's the date when rookies can be traded, players who were signed in the offseason, that's the first day they're eligible to be traded. So that's a huge date where the Sixers could have a lot more options and a lot more flexibility in terms of a trade. But look, none of this talk is going away for these two guys, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, who are not playing for their teams? Are they hurting their teams? Yes. Is that going to change anytime soon? I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that. But it's crazy that in the first week of the NBA season, a lot of the talk has surrounded two guys, two stars in this league who are not playing for their teams. It's going to be interesting. When we come to, We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the Lakers getting their first win of the season. The Celtics also doing the same. And another team I didn't even mention, who's also 3-0, and a lot of people were high on them, some people were not, that's the Golden State Warriors. They're staying hot. Steph looking like an MVP already. We'll talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. It feels like try to just go over, like, you know, how do you feel about John Gruden? He's, he sucks. Like, <laughs> he unsurprisingly really sucks. People need to be asking that kind of thing. How common is John Gruden? And the answer is very common, but we, you know, but we need to find out exactly how common. 
what has come of this sort of uh, social awakening um, with maybe perhaps the biggest air quotes ever um, in sports. But I really believe that they want to see a different and better world for themselves, for the families, for the communities, and I applaud that. However, my caution is with the degree with which these athletes partner with the institutions that employ them to activate that change. I think that is where the danger is. Because these dudes, I think they see, more, I see, they see racism as a liability, not as a cause. Hey, Sports Walk. It's produced by me. Go watch the third episode that is out today at two o'clock. Please check that out. Really good show. My man Bradford Davis. He had a lot of good things to say. Talked about John Gruden, talked about racism in sports, talked a little bit about the 2021 World Series. If you're interested in that, so that's other great content coming out from the Backpack Broadcasting Home. Please check that out. Also, previous couple of episodes on that were around the NBA. So I think that'll be really good if you missed those. The first one was with our producer, Greg. He talked about his fandom and love of the New York Knicks. And the second was with my man, Doug Barrett, super Nets fan for the Brooklyn Nets. Talk a little, about, a little bit about their championship aspirations this season and how he thinks that'll play out. So the first two episodes of the season were very NBA heavy. And if you did not check that out, I really recommend you do. You can check that out on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel, of which this show, the NBA Exchange, is on. Remember, coming up, Got my man, Josue Pavone, joining us to talk a little bit of Celtics and how their season started. We'll get to the Celtics in one bit. But the Lakers, the Lakers were 0-2. They were staring danger in the face against the Memphis Grizzlies. But they came out victorious. You know who got the game ball for the Lakers? No, it wasn't LeBron James last night for their first victory. No, it wasn't even Coach Frank Vogel. It wasn't Anthony Davis. It was my man, Carmelo Anthony, who was killing. He had a team-high 28 points, and he actually moved into ninth on NBA's career scoring list. And 37-year-old Carmelo Anthony, remember that, was killing it from downtown. Played really, 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 really well. But you know who else looked good? I told you, Greg, our producer, he tried to fleece me, John Morant. John Morant dropped 40 in the game, he missed the free throw that would have tied the game late. Uh, unfortunately, that could have sent it to overtime. Did not do that. It was a really thrilling game. The Grizzlies could have swept both the Lakers and Clippers on back-to-back -back nights. Morant looking impressive again, but the Lakers get a win, 121-118 to 118 over the Memphis Grizzlies at home. A much-needed win for them thus far. Now, one of my things in looking at this, guys, when I looked at this Laker game and I was watching this very closely last night, you know, and I think this is also part of what I said earlier with the Lakers in terms of it taking them some time to get to where it is that they need it to be, all right? Defensively, they haven't looked that great. I think that's also part of the problem of adding in 13 new players. It's going to take some time. Right? Like it's going to take some time for these guys to get clicking. Now, there's not a lot of guys I think that you would think are really great, great defenders, particularly on the perimeter. Ken Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony. Um, so they really haven't had it going defensively, even you know Westbrook uh, to a degree. But I think this is something else that's going to have to take time. Frank Vogel is a fantastic defensive coach. 
We will see what he's able to do with these guys as they acclimated. I do not think anybody on the Lakers team was pushing the panic button. But I would say, you know, when you're 0-2, that is about as big as a win, you know, must-win situation as you will need there. And they got it. They got it there, and that's huge for that team in, t- in terms of moving forward. They were able to get the victory, and hopefully they're able to catch some momentum on this going forward because they're going to be a team that everybody is watching in the West. But another team that you got to put your eye on in the West, that's the Golden State Warriors. 3-0 to start the season, 2-0 on the road. Steph Curry just doing what Steph Curry does. Not the best shooting game last night, 9 of 23, 4 of 16 from downtown. But he had 27 points. He had 10 assists. He's making everything go. For me, watching the Warriors this this season, early on, they're really moving the ball well. They have great fluidity that almost makes them look like the Warriors of old, even before they had the couple of years with Kevin Durant. Really moving this ball well. They're getting great contributions off the bench from Jordan Poole, Juan Toscano-Anderson, also playing really well, too. And they still haven't incorporated James Wiseman, who's out injured. And you're wondering if they can get anything with him putting him into the center rotation, how that'll help. Otto Porter's been good. Yamanja Bialisha has also looked really well in this offense. He's a player I've always liked for some time, even in his days with the Kings. He's fit extremely well in this offense. And remember, they still don't have Klay Thompson. But right now, just the fluidity you're seeing in the team, they're playing pretty solid defense. The pace and spacing looks much better than it did last year, and they're still not at full strength. It really makes you wonder how dangerous this team could be. Andrew Wiggins is playing solid for them. Draymond Green still doesn't have the offense there, but he's doing Draymond Green stuff, playing defense, making the right pass. I don't know what the ceiling is for this Golden State Warriors team. And again, three games, folks, three games. I'm not going too crazy on this. We got to pump the brakes a little bit. We just don't want to go too crazy on this. But I think if you're a basketball fan and you watch the NBA very closely, you have to at least say this team looks a lot better than they did a year ago, particularly offensively. Now, a lot of the, the offensive weight is still going to hang on Steph Curry. And you wonder how much he can shoulder in terms of shouldering the load. You wonder how much that affects him. But you have to like some of the help he's been getting thus far. Wiggins, Poole, like I said, Juan Toscano, Anderson, Bielisa, they've been really good. They've been trying to sprinkle in a little Moses Moody when they can, and we'll see how those young guys come along. And I think that's the key for them is they haven't had to rely on the younger guys thus far. They're able to bring them along slowly in this season, and I think that will help. But they're a team to definitely keep their eye on. Now, a lot of people, I think they're over under this year was 48 wins. That was a stay away for me because I just thought this team had way too many variables. And who knows? We might see next week, we might be talking about this, and the Warriors are 3-3. Three and three. There was just too much that could happen for them with me on the betting side. So for me, that was a stay away. But right now, I have to say, at least you like the beginning stages of that DNA that we have known to be the Warriors showing up here. That's the thing that we've seen this far that I think if you're a Warriors fan, if you're somebody keeping an eye on the Western Conference, you have to at least like thus far. They have shown the capability to play the basketball, particularly moving without the ball that you're seeing from all these players, the cutting, the passing. Steph Curry's going to give you that shot making, but you're seeing that fluidity. 
that we saw from the Warriors in their years of winning those championships. And look, if that's back and they're playing pretty solid defense, oh, they're going to be a formidable team. They're going to give some teams some problems. But if Clay comes back and he's even, eh, let's say, 80% of Clay, that's pretty good. If Wiseman comes back and he doesn't look as lost as he did on the defensive end last year, that's huge. We know he's got some skills. We know he's got really good upside as a player. It's really about what he can do on the defensive end. And if he's able to do that, then that's huge. Now, the Celtics. They got their first win. Like I said, we got my man, Josue Pavon. He'll be joining us in just a few minutes. The Celtics got their first win of the season last night. And I was worried about them. I'm like, oh, man, the Celtics going to go to 0-3. Like the Lakers, you didn't want to see them go to 0-3. They had a tough loss to the Knicks to open the season, but they're able to bounce back last night and get their first win for Ime Odoka. That's very nice for him. But they will also be tested tonight. They have to go down to Charlotte where they will play the Hornets, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Some of the things that I definitely want to talk about with Josue is how good can this team be? How What's the next step for Tatum and Brown? That's one of the big things I want to know. Where is this team going? Because when we had Josue on last season, you know, at the start of the plane, we talked about maybe on the offseason what moves they can make what they can do. Well, there was a lot of change for the Celtics this offseason. There still is a lot of talk about how the duo of Tatum and Brown fit together, some of the additions they've made, whether it's Dennis Schroeder. As we said, we've got M.A. Udoka, a new coach. Brad Stevens moved up to the front office. So there's a lot of questions about this Celtic team. Now, one thing we do know is, look, they've got two talented guys, and when those dudes are on, they're as good a duo as anybody in the league. And they're really, really tough to stop. And there's some other things I feel like I like. Robert Williams at center. That, that game against the Knicks, man, he looked good. Time Lord looked good. He, we know he can do some things. So with the Celtics, I think a lot of it is, you know, how do they build on this, this from here? How do all these pieces fit? Are they really a true contender in the East? Some people, you've seen people had them. Hey, they could be high as four. Some people have had them in the play-in. Some people have them somewhere in between. It's really interesting. I mean, I think they're a tough team, but we're going to see how that is all going to go with them. They got a great game out of Jason Tatum last night. They defeat the Houston Rockets. Now, some people might look at me and say, hey, Dex, they played the Rockets. They were supposed to beat them. Blah, blah, blah. It's no good. But look, like I said before, right, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you. The Celtics took care of business. They did not drop to 0-3. Jalen Green. Impressive rookie, which I'm sure we'll talk more about him later. He showed out in the game, dropped 30. But the Celtics, like I said, they took care of business. They did exactly what they needed to do. And, you know, we'll see how they build upon that. Now, we are going to break. When I come back, my man, Josue Pavon, will be with us to discuss everything about the Celtics, what's going on with them and their start uh, to this season, what their future is how he feels about the team. He's all plugged in with the Celtics. He knows everything that's going on. We'll take a short break. When we come back, my man, Josue Pavon, will join us on NBA Exchange. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. 
It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. For the break, we're talking a little bit of Celtics basketball. And to talk Celtics basketball with me is my man, Josue Pavon, Celtics writer. You'll see him with CLN Media. Josue, what's good, my man? How you doing? Josue, you with us? I think Josue is getting his audio uh, set, set up there. Josue, can you hear me? He cannot hear me right now. We'll, we'll hold on for a second. We'll get uh, Josue's audio uh, correct there. But Josue is with us. We are going to talk a little bit of, of Celtics basketball. As I said, if you want to follow Josue, his Twitter is at Joe underscore, that's J-O-E underscore Sway. He is a writer. He also does stuff with CLNS Media, also on Causeway Street Podcast, and Heavy Son as well, too. Uh, Josue does a lot of good coverage around the Celtics from time to time. A little bit of technical difficulty, but Josue will be back with us. Once again, the Celtics got a 107-97 victory over the Houston Rockets last night. We saw Jason Tatum, 37 minutes, 12 of 24 from the field, 4 of 11 from downtown, 31 points, 9 boards, 2 assists, and a steal. So great job for Tatum. This was a game they were without their other star, Jalen Brown. Also had 17 from the old veteran Al Hofford as well, too. And 18 from Dennis Schroeder, who struggled in his first two games, but was able to get the job done here uh, in this contest against the Houston Rockets. As I said, not a great Rockets team, but it was a game the Celtics had to win even without their star. They had to be able to get this done uh, whatsoever. Now, we talked about the Celtics, as I said, new head coach, Emei Doke, a lot of years under Greg Popovich and that Spurs staff. For many years, he had been under that staff, learning, bounced around a couple places. Last year was an assistant coach with the Brooklyn Nets. Finally getting his shot here with the Celtics. It'll be interesting to see Brad Stevens. He went up, failed up, as we said before, uh, to the office. And I think we have my man, Josue, back with us. Let's check and see. Josue, how you doing, brother? You good? Yeah, I'm good now. Sorry about that. Connection was a little <laughs> nah. iffy. Nah, it's all good, man. You got the good connection now. It was really good, really good to see you. As I swear, this is Josue Pavon, Celtics NBA writer. Josue, I got to ask you early on. How's it going, okay? Dex? What's going I'm on? good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I, I I can't complain. I'm so happy to be able to join us here on the show. Yeah, man. Let's I appreciate get... you having me on. Anytime, brother. Anytime. But I got to ask you, okay? What's up? Early on, and what what are your thoughts on what you've seen from the Celtics early on this season? 0-2 start, get their first win last night. What are your thoughts on this team thus far? It's going to it's gonna be a process, Dex. I mean, <clears throat> we knew that going in. Like, the, the new head coach, Ime Udoka, I mean, we knew that this team needs a new culture. I know coming from Brad Stevens, obviously a new voice helps with that. But also, they have to get rid of these bad habits. And what I mean by that is what we saw a lot that happened last year was when things are down, 
they want to go play this uh, hero ball. You know, sure, they have two all-stars, two rising stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But this whole you go, then I go thing, it just didn't – it didn't – it wasn't the, the recipe for success last season, of course. It was a 500 record last year. Now injuries played a part, you know, COVID, you know, guys missing missing games because of that, which, of course, affected the entire league. That also played a part as well. But they have to get back to, to the basics, so to speak. And what I mean by that is establishing a culture that, that dictates the top-notch defense, everyone on board, effort has to be at his utmost, you know, night in and night out. And that's something that we didn't see last year. That was a problem that we saw throughout. So I think the first couple of weeks here, maybe the first month or so, it's going to take a while for that culture to be established in the sense of getting rid of those bad habits and putting forth the right effort night in and night out for a brand-new head coach in Ime Udoka. So when I spoke to you in the offseason, you talked a little, a little bit about that dynamic between Tatum and Brown, that sort of you go and score, then I'll go and score, that sort of thing. And I think when you look at this team, right, there always is generally with teams a hierarchy in terms of the stars, right? This, it's this guy's team or it's that guy's team. Whose team is it? Is it Tatum or is it Jalen Brown? You know, at the start of the season with that narrative going into training camp, you know, they, they try to dead that and saying that, look, there's two alphas here and you know, they don't necessarily look at it as being Tatum's team. But, I mean, from the way that this team moves and, and the way that they close out games, I mean, Tatum's the guy to go to. Whether that means hitting the game-winning shot or or uh, him taking match into his own hands, I mean, that's who he is. Now, if there's a, a passing of the torch here in the sense of, you know, them sharing that, we haven't seen it yet. At least I haven't, you know. I, I mean, in the sense of knowing who's going to get the ball at the end of the game, I mean, look. 46 points, career high, first game of the season against the New York Knicks. I mean, it came in a, a losing effort, double overtime game, but we all knew who was still going to get the ball at the end of the day, right? It was Jason Tatum. So until I see a, a change in that, I, I'm still calling this is, this is Tatum's team. However, having two alphas and, and, and putting Jalen Brown on that same pedestal in the sense of can these two – both guide this team. I think that's yet to be seen, but that's what this year is going to be about, along with, of course, incorporating Ime Udoka's playing style and, of course, seeing how, you know, all that comes together, you know, the other guys in the supporting cast. Because this roster is they've – imp they've improved this roster, you know, last off of last season. You know, this second unit isn't the same second unit we saw last year where these guys really struggled to put up points and, you know, keep the balance from the second unit and, and you know, bridging the gap from the starters, you know, to the second unit. And he spoke about Jalen Brown. He was out for last night's game against the Rockets with left patella tendinopathy. I hope I said that right. I think I did. Um, should we be concerned about this with him? Because he came out, as you said, on fire at the Garden, killing an opening night. Now he's got this injury. He's dealt with it last year, and for some time he's had some nagging injuries. Should we be concerned about Jalen Brown being out and how that will affect the season? Think Josue... Uh, froze on me again with his connection. We'll get him back uh, in a second to talk a little bit about Jalen Brown and how his injury might affect uh, the Celtics once again. But you heard good stuff there from Josue about the Celtics and sort of how they're going to be able to come together and the hierarchy of whose team is it. It's almost that thing that we know in sports all the time, right? Kobe and Shaq had that, but they both thought they were on the same level or Kobe was. But, you know, Pippen was the Pippen to Jordan, right? Like, he kind of understood his role as that second guy and where he fit in. I tend to agree with Josue on this, that Tatum is that dude. He's the guy that you're going to still have the ball in his hands 
at the end of the game because we've seen the shot-making ability and everything uh, that he can do in this way. So we know exactly what he's about and what he can do, and it's been proven. Now, can Jalen Brown be a good secondary contributor? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Is he also a fantastic shot maker? Yeah, no doubt about that at all whatsoever. There's no doubt they can do that. But I think once those roles are defined, it's going to be easier for everybody then to fall in line to where they be, whether it's Schroeder coming off the bench. Sometimes he didn't start. He started last night for Jalen Brown. Oh, we will see that as well in the offense that he can give them there. Marcus Smart's a guy role player who knows his role. So there are different things into how that all can work out. Um, let's see. I believe we have Josue back with us uh, once again. Josue, are you with us back on the NBA Exchange? Still think he's having a bit of technical difficulty showing up with, with his connection there, but we'll get back more to uh, that Celtics talk. If you are watching live with us, let us know uh, what you think about the Celtics. Um, do you think they're a team that could contend for a top spot in the East this season? Or do you think they're frauds? Some people may think that they are. Uh, maybe you think that or not. We What we will do is hopefully on Fridays, we'll also start taking some email questions from the viewers of the NBA Exchange so that I or whoever we have as a guest can answer it on here as well, uh, too. Josue, you back with us again? We'll try Josue uh, another time, see if we got him back, back up here. Nope, Josue is frozen. He is frozen. So a little freeze out on, on Josue there. We, we will try him again uh, one, more, one more time coming up shortly. But we'll see uh, what the Celtics do. The Celtics are playing against the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Uh, we will talk a little bit about that um, in the upcoming segment. And they will see if they can make it two in a row, even their record at two and two. We'll see what they are able to do there. What we'll do right now is we'll take a short break. When we come back, hopefully we'll have Josue. If not, we're going to continue. We're going to look at some of the matchups that are coming up tonight. A little sports betting. Some of you to watch the exchange. I know you want to know exactly what to do, what picks you should take. I'm going to tell you four games that I like for you to bet on tonight and how you should bet them. We'll talk about that coming up, and hopefully we'll have Josue Pavon back on with us. If not, we'll definitely have him on for some bonus content for you on the NBA Exchange. All that and more when we come back from this short break. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. It feels like try to just go over like, you know, how do you feel about John Gruden? He, he sucks. Like, <laughs> he unsurprisingly really sucks. People need to be asking that kind of thing. How common is John Gruden? And the answer is very common, but we, you know, but we need to find out exactly how common. What has come of this sort of uh, social awakening? 
um, with maybe perhaps the biggest air quotes ever um, in sports. But I really believe that they want to see a different and better world for themselves, for the families, for the communities, and I applaud that. However, my caution is with the degree with which these athletes partner with the institutions that employ them to activate that change. I think that is where the danger is. Because these dudes, I think they see, more, I see, they see racism as a liability, not as a cause. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. I appreciate that support. Appreciate that support for Backpack Broadcasting when you can. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Just talked with my man, Josue Pavon. He was in a bad service area. So unfortunately, he will not be able to join us for this episode, but we will get him back another time to talk some more Celtics basketball. But obviously, a lot to talk about with Celtics. They're one of the teams in action tonight, as I said before, against the Charlotte Hornets. That's a 7 o'clock start. But there's a lot of good action in the NBA tonight. And when there's a lot of good action in the NBA, that means it's good action for people to get involved in a little bit of you know, gambling, a little sports betting. Nine games in the NBA tonight. What are the ways you want to pick? Now, one of the things I think early on in this season that I like to look at in terms of sports betting are what are some of the trends that we're seeing? Now, small sample size theater, guys. Most teams have played three games. Some teams, most teams will play their fourth game tonight. So you haven't really seen much. You haven't really seen much of a trend, all right? There's, there's some teams that have started off very, very hot and well, but you really don't know how any of this stuff is going to play out. And let's be honest, betting early season, particularly in leagues like the NBA or baseball or the NHL where there are a good amount of games, unlike football, can be really challenging, right? Can be really, really challenging. But sometimes what I like to look at is where some teams who we have had expectations to be better or we think are more talented are actually had a tough loss. And then how is it that they're going to bounce back? And I think there's some commonality tonight in terms of betting. There's a lot of teams that either had a tough loss over the weekend, someone a back to back today, as we'll get into. And I think they are primed for a big time bounce back. I really do. I really think this could happen. Now, first matchup for me, for my NBA picks tonight, the Detroit Pistons, little Detroit basketball, will head down to the ATL. They will play the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Hawks in this contest, 
according, and I'm taking all my lines for this, is from BetMGM. We're going to look at that. The line is 11.5 point spread favoring the Atlanta Hawks. Now, anything over 10, man, I get a little bit nervous sometimes about throwing down some dollars on that. Because in the NBA, there's always runs. Sometimes people take out starters. Bench comes in. Some guys on the bench want to play uh, hard on the other team to try to show their worth. That cuts into maybe what was a 20-point game. The next thing you know is down to a 9- or 8-point game. So 11 is a really tough number. And I generally, this would be a stay away from me, just a little bit too high. Do you think the Atlanta Hawks are 11 points? Actually, 12 points is what you will need to win in terms of this better than the Detroit Pistons. Now, I do not think the Detroit Pistons are a particularly good team, but I think they're a team that can play really hard. We see them play hard with Jeremy Grant. We've seen Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. This is a team that we saw play hard. They're very well coached by Dwayne Casey. However, what concerns me if you even want to say, hey, Dex, you know what? Maybe I like the Pistons as a dog here. Maybe they're a team that I think can keep this somewhat close. Maybe I see them losing by seven or eight points. I want to take the Pistons here against the spread, against that 11 and a half. But the Hawks, they had a bad loss the other day to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which they blew a 14-point lead at home. So I don't think these Atlanta Hawks are going to be too happy about that. I think they've been stewing about this the last couple of days. I think at home against the Pistons, who are without their rookie, top pick, Cade Cunningham, and they've had a real struggle at the point guard position with Killian Hayes getting most of the minutes there. It's been a real struggle for them to generate any kind of consistent offensive flow. And I think some of that will change for the Pistons when Cade Cunningham comes back. But Cade Cunningham is not here. And the Hawks have Trey Young. And the Hawks have been scoring the ball pretty well. And we've seen a lot of balance. We've seen John Collins doing what he does. We've seen Clint Capella doing what he does. We've seen Cam Reddish, who's been one of the players that's been really impressive early on in the season, doing what he does. And I think the Hawks are going to be focused. I think they're going to want to bounce back. They know this is a team they have to take care of business against home. I like them here. I think this is a blowout. I don't think that Detroit plays enough defense for there. I could see Trey Young having a big game. I know 11 and a half is a big number, but I just like the Hawks bouncing back here. Bang it. Give me the Hawks over the 11 and a half. 12 or more to win for the Hawks in the ATL. I think they get it done against the Pistons. That's my game number one pick for tonight. Game number two, defending champion, Milwaukee Bucks. They go to the field house. I forget what they're calling the field house now. It's got a new corporate name on it. I was actually about to call it Conseco Fieldhouse, which might show a little bit of my age. But the Bucks are three-point favorites against the Pacers. The Bucks still without Drew Holiday. I think if Drew Holiday was playing, this game would have a much larger spread. But that is not it. The Pacers, man, they have been in a bunch of close games already this season. They're one and two. They are coming off a very, very impressive win on Saturday night against the Miami Heat in which they shut them down in the fourth quarter. Pacers at home, Bucks coming in. You expect them to be pumped, but I still think the Bucs just have too much for them, and I don't think the Bucs will, excuse me, the Pacers will have any answer 
And thank you, my producer Greg said, the Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Forgot the name of the Fieldhouse, not the Conseco. But I think the Pacers, even at home at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse, are not going to be able to have anything to handle Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis has clearly found his game. I feel like there's a good balance of him mixing up the mid-range with his moves inside. I do not think they'll have any answers. They'll throw Miles Turner on him. They'll throw Sabonis on him. But three is a low number to me for the Bucs. I think the Bucs get this done on the road. Their role players are clicking. They've played very well. George Hill has stepped in for Drew Holiday and played fine. Jordan Awara has played really good off the bench. I just think the Bucs have too much. I think the spread could have probably been a little bit higher, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of money on the Bucs. I love the number of minus three for the Bucs. Take this, bang the Bucs, minus three, okay, against the Pacers as the Bucs get the win against their Central Division rivals, if you want to say that, or people care about divisions anymore. All right. That, that's the one game I have that didn't fit into my bounce-back theme, really. Like, that was the really one that I had that kind of was the outlier to these teams bouncing back. Next game. It's the Wizards versus the Nets. The Wizards come to Brooklyn to battle the Nets, who just lost to the Charlotte Hornets in their home opener. Back-to-back for the Nets at home. This is a sort of return home for Spencer Dinwiddie. We like Spencer Dinwiddie here, the Backpack Broadcasting uh, family. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, will be back. I'm sure there'll be a nice video tribute for him that the Nets fans will like. I'm sure he'll get a really good standing ovation there. That's a favorite in this contest, minus eight and a half. Nine or more for the Nets to win. I think the Nets are pretty unhappy about losing their home opener to the Charlotte Hornets. I expect a big game out of Kevin Durant. I expect a big game out of James Harden. I expect this team to come out focused. They've heard all the noise. You know what else we could expect? Probably more protests for Kyrie Irving outside the Barclays Center. But all that aside, I think the Nets will respond when they have to respond. We saw their fight and the resolve Friday night in Philadelphia, how they were able to come back. I think they get hot early here from the start. I like this team to bounce back. I think they know they need another early season win. They know they know they need to get a victory at home. Winning is going to cure a lot of the noise on the outside, particularly surrounding Kyrie Irving for the Nets. If they're able to do that, they will be fine. But one thing we know about the Washington Wizards is they can't stop anybody. And when you have elite-level talent in terms of scoring, like the Nets do with Kevin Durant and James Harden, along with some of their role players who played well, like LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he concerns me being on the floor because he's not really good defensively at this stage in his career, I just think they come out fired up ready to go, and I think they demolished the Wizards. Eight and a half, good number here. I can see the Nets winning this game by 12, 13 points. I can see the Wizards keeping it close at some times. Now, keep an eye if you're betting this game, Bradley Beal. Still don't know what his status is to play tonight. I would keep your eye on that, looking to bet this game and seeing what they can do. That might make the line shift a little bit right now. But if you want to get in, I think that right now, I think that eight and a half number is a good number for the Nets to get in. So give me the Nets minus eight and a half over the Wizards to cover that spread. I like them here. Go go with the Nets. Nets bouncing back after a tough loss to the Hornets. They're going to want to get one at home and uh, get the crowd fired up for something else than saying, let Kyrie play. Last game I have involves a team that everybody's riding high on. That's the Chicago Bulls. They are 
headed north of the border to Toronto to battle the Raptors. And look, this is not a very strong line favoring the Bulls, who are 3-0. And that tells you the odds makers at BetMGM, even they know the Bulls haven't really played anybody. They know that, and it's reflected. The Bulls are only two-and-a-half-point favorites here against the Raptors. Now, I also think some of that is respect to the Raptors and how they played, their coach, the way they played. Raptors still without Pascal Siakam, folks. This is not the full-strength Raptors team. It's going to be very interesting to see with how long Siakam is going to be out, how this team can play, and can they play hard for stretches. They're still having some trouble in terms of scoring. Watched them the other night against Dallas. Dallas was able to out-execute them down the stretch pretty efficiently with Luka, with Porzingis. I don't think the Bulls have quite the caliber of offensive players, but you could see Levine giving this team some problems in this game. So it's a sort of a return for DeMar DeRozan north of the border where he is very loved. I don't think they'll have a video tribute, but there'll be a nice ovation for him there too. The Bulls, they want to keep things going. How good is it? I don't think this is a great test for the Bulls, but I think this is a nice early season test coming after this 3-0 start. Raptors will play hard. Raptors will keep things close. I don't love this minus 2.5 for the Bulls. I think this is a close game, but here's the thing. I think the Raptors are hungry. I don't think they like how they finished the other night against the Mavericks. I like the way Nick Nurse has the ability to throw different schemes. I like the way he's very unpredictable in the things that he can do as a coach. I am taking the Raptors here. Raptors here in an upset. I might be actually inclined. If you don't want to bet against the spread, I might be inclined to actually take the money line here on the Raptors. Yes, that's. I think the Raptors are going to play hard. I think the Bulls have a little bit of fraudulent nature. I am not a believer in the Bulls at all. Server, I've, I've said this time and time again. I'm not a huge believer in the Bulls, particularly because of their defensive limitations that I see. The money line for the Raptors with BetMGM is plus 105. I think, you know, it's not, it's not great. It's pretty much even money um, that you're getting with the, with the Raptors right there, plus 105. But I like the Raptors as a dog here at home. I think this is a good bet, whether you want to take the spread, whether you want to take the money line. Either one is, is pretty fine to me. But I think the Bulls are in for their first test. I want to see them tested. Now, some will say, well, against Detroit, they had a pretty close game in the first game of the season, so they were tested there a bit. But that was Detroit, and we know the offensive limitations they have. The Raptors, a little bit better in that. The one thing I think where the Bulls, you might have some concern is, I think the Bulls just have more size at them on the guard positions and the wing positions. That can be difficult for Malachi Flynn if he gets some minutes. Still don't know what they're doing with Goran Dragic. His minutes have dropped, and also Fred Van Vliet. It'll be interesting to see how that works out in terms of size. But I think the Raptors are going to come out fired up. I think they're really disappointed in how they finished against Dallas. And I like the Raptors, even though the Bulls are the favorites here, minus two and a half. I like the Raptors in this. We'll be inclined to throw a couple dollars down on that money line with the Raptors at plus 105, I don't necessarily think that's a bad move. So those are my bets for Monday night. All right, let's recap that again. I got the Hawks minus the 11 and a half against the Pacers. Bucks minus three, excuse me, Hawks minus 11 and a half against the Pistons. Bucks minus three at the Pacers. Give me the Nets at home to bounce back in a big way. Minus eight and a half against the Wizards, and I'm taking the Raptors 
money on the money line, putting the money on the money line to get the upset at home against the Chicago Bulls. Bulls 3-0, looking to improve to 4-0, but I see the Raptors handing them their first loss of the season. Now look, as we close, a lot will be made about the teams that are undefeated. And some teams have some things on the line. The Hornets beat the Nets. They're also undefeated, right? Excuse me, who played the Nets tonight. They're also undefeated uh, as well. So the Hornets undefeated. They, excuse me, the Hornets playing the Celtics tonight. Got my teams confused. The Hornets will put it on the line at home against the Celtics tonight. They just beat the Nets yesterday. The Bulls, 3-0. They have that on the line tonight. That will be against the Raptors. We also have the Wizards, who are 2-0, actually another undefeated team. They will play the Nets. Don't have that wrong. Those are all your Eastern Conference undefeated team in the West. The Warriors, 3-0. We talked about them earlier. The Jazz, 2-0. The Timberwolves, 2-0. They are now playing the second of a back-to-back tonight against New Orleans Pelicans. And the Nuggets, also 2-0. So those are your undefeated teams in the NBA. There is only one winless team in the Eastern Conference. That is the Detroit Pistons. And in the Western Conference, we have three winless teams. The Clippers, 0-2, tough loss to the Grizzlies. The other night, Pelicans, 0-3. They have not looked good without Zion. Yeeks. And OKC Thunder, 0-3. I think many people would have expected that. So early on in the NBA season, there is a lot to talk about. Wednesday, my man Gerard Hector will be joining us for NBA with Nuance. You know how we do. We're going to have some nuanced topics to talk about. We might have to talk about, who knows if this story breaks. If you're an NBA junkie, you've seen the stuff surrounding a story that might come out. There's been reporting on a report that might come out surrounding Robert Sarver and possibly some racist comments that he uh, may have made that is on the, on the record and people have seen. We'll, it'll be interesting to see about that. We will get into that. I'm sure there'll be more games to break down. Of course, we'll talk some picks. We'll have some NBA picks and some props, hopefully as well, too, for you on Wednesday to look. And then, you know, I'm sure there'll be more to talk about. We'll be looking at this Ben Simmons watch, the saga that's going on, what's happening with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Are people still out protesting outside the arena? And so much more to talk about on the NBA Exchange. Thank you for joining us. On this first live episode, had some hiccups, but thanks to our guest, Jose Pavon, Boston Celtics writer. We'll get him back on when the connection is a lot better, and we'll talk to him some more about the season. I know some people wanted to hear about that as well, too. Also, thanks to my producer, Gregory Alcala. I'm going to check in with him on the next episode because we got to see how he's feeling about the Knicks at that point. After four games, is he still riding high? Is he still feeling low? We'll see about that on the next episode. And of course, thank you to everybody who is watching the show live. Or if you watch on demand, please hit that subscribe button to Backpack Broadcasting. You can watch so many different platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. We're all there for you to watch live or on demand, wherever you want. Also, follow the NBA Exchange on Twitter and Instagram for more clips, more notes about the show, and the best NBA digital show in the game. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.